Uh, John chapter 11, verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and the stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Lazarus, come forth. Loose him and let him go. Tonight, for a few moments, I'm going to preach escaping the grip of death. Escaping the grip of death. If you would put your Bibles down, let's lift our hand one more time. God, tonight, Lord, for the remainder of this service, we're just praying and believing that you are going to do something in this place. We're believing that you are going to touch lives. We're believing that you're going to heal brokenness. We're believing, God, that you're going to forgive sin, God, that you're going to heal, that you're going to restore. When we can lift up a voice that has faith in it tonight. God, we believe it. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are greater than whatever comes against us tonight. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. In the world of marketing, a lot of it has to do with what's known as a funnel. A funnel is basically that you have all these people at the top of the funnel. We know the shape of the funnel goes from being very wide down to being very small at the bottom. And the idea of a marketing funnel is how do we get all these people out here on the top to commit and go all the way through to the bottom? The first level of the funnel would be the level of awareness. How do we make these people aware? How do we let them know what we're offering? How do we let them know what we're doing? The next uh Next level would be interest. How do we get them to be interested in it? Now that they're aware of it, how do we get them to consider it? The next stage would be consideration. How do we get them to consider what we're offering? The next phase of the, the funnel would be intent. How do we get them to have the intent to make the commitment, to make the purchase, to finally come through and become a customer? How many of you, whether you realize it or not, have been marketed to based on the things that you've been talking about that ever happened to anybody. You start talking about something. You start searching something up. And next thing you know on your phone, you're seeing ads for toothpaste because you were talking about toothpaste. Or we don't even know what all the phones possibly can do, but it's creepy sometimes how it seemingly reads our mind and knows what we have need of. I remember uh, recently I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor, and we were talking about business opportunities. And he was saying someone had just told him about an Austrian swim school that you could do a franchise. And have a swim school for kids and I got on Instagram and the next ad I saw was a swim school for kids that you could be a part of. Why? Because somehow, some way, they saw me as a potential to go into their funnel and go from awareness to interest to consideration, intent, and finally become the customer. Every, cus- or every big company is doing this consistently 
with algorithms trying to reach before you even realize you're a customer. They're already marketing to you. Uh, there's a book called The Power of Habit, and in this book, The Power of Habit, they told the story of a young girl about 15 or 16 years old, and one of the biggest markets every year is the market for newborn children because so many dollars are spent for a newborn child. They want to get ahead of it. So they came out with a metric of how they could calculate whether or not you were pregnant based on what you were purchasing, based on what you were searching on Google, based, based on what you were doing online. They'd come up with a score to decide whether or not you may be pregnant. And there was a dad of a 15 and 16-year-old girl somewhere in there that went to Target and was absolutely livid because in the mail, his daughter was getting advertisements for newborn uh, outfits and newborn baby bottles and diapers and wipes. And he was so mad, he went to the manager of that Target in his city and he said, why are you advertising to my daughter things that she doesn't need? Why are you trying to encourage her to go and have a baby? She's only 15, 16 years old. And... The manager said, that's a corporate thing. We really don't handle any of that. That's not really what we do. We're just the store. That came from a national distributor. And the man, interestingly enough, came back to the store three weeks later and had to apologize to Target and tell that manager, it seems like Target knew more about what was going on in my house than I did, and my 15-year-old daughter is pregnant, and I had no idea what was going on. I tell you that story maybe just to awaken you a little bit, especially to the young people. If there's things going on in your private life that nobody knows about, you need to deal with that. I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm not telling you that to encourage any fear. But I'm telling you that this world wants to destroy you. This world wants to steal holiness. This world wants to steal purity. I want to talk to somebody. If Instagram knows more about you than your mom and dad, if Google knows more about you than your mom and dad, if your search history says things that your mom and dad don't know about, I'm just going to preach to the young people for just a moment. You need to get out of that. Because you don't even realize that you're in the funnel. You're in the funnel. And it's not God's funnel. It's a funnel that wants to destroy you. It's a funnel that wants to dismantle your life. It's a funnel that wants to break you down and destroy your future and steal your anointing. Let me talk to some young people. If there's things going on in secret that would destroy your public image, you need to repent of your sins. And you need to get right with God. And you need to get away from influences of this world. And say, I belong to Jesus. Oh, come on. I wonder if there's some parents that would lift up their hands and say, amen. I wonder if there's some elders that would lift up their hands and say, amen. I wonder if the ministry could lift up their hands and say, amen. We're fighting for young people's souls. Don't give yourself away to the world. You may be seated. We may not even realize it or think of it this way, but the way that I think of it is that hell has an outreach department. That hell has a marketing scheme. That hell is trying to get you to become aware of the things of this world. That hell is trying to create some interest in you for the things of this world. Trying to give you a taste of alcohol. Trying to give you a taste of prescription drugs that aren't yours. Trying to get you interested. Why? Because if they can hook you here, they can reel you all the way in. I'm, I'm just preaching to you. You need to get out of the funnel and get to the altar and get right with God. 
It may be a long process. Marketing experts say it takes anywhere between eight and nine times reaching out to somebody before you'll even get a response. Statistically, the devil plays the long game. The devil will get you here and slowly drag you to where he wants you to go. He doesn't show you everything the first day. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Those wages are not paid this Friday. These, pay, these wages are not paid next week, but he'll string it out so long that you don't even realize from whence you've fallen. Stretch you out so far that you don't even look like the person you used to be, but it was so incremental you didn't even realize that you were backsliding until it was too late. How many people have backslid and we wonder what happened to them? It wasn't an overnight thing, but it was a slow thing. There's a song by Casting Crowns that describes this well called Slow Fade. It says, be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. When thoughts invade, choices made, a a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day, but it's a slow fade. Oh, I just want to pray the influences of Satan off of somebody's life tonight and tell you that your life is too valuable to give it to this world, to give it to addiction, to give it to pornography, to give it to anything else but Jesus Christ. You have value. You're not, oh, let me just talk to somebody. You're not like everybody else, so stop trying to be like everybody else. You were never intended to be like this world. Oh, First John said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, I just want to preach to somebody. This world wants to bind you, and this world wants to break you, and this world wants to destroy you. These streets don't love you, young lady. These girls don't love you, young man. They're looking for your downfall. They're not looking for the day when God would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. They're looking for the day when you would lose it all and go to hell. Oh, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. You may be seated. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 1, it was a slow fade, but he got the best of the young people from Israel and brought them into Babylon. And it was an incremental change. The first thing he did was he separated them from their families. The second thing that Nebuchadnezzar did to these young people, he changed their names, changed their identity. Next thing he did, he forced them to learn a new language. He changed their cultural patterns. He even changed their diets into keeping with their new culture. And by the time it was all said and done, it started with just separating them from their families, but it ended with them worshiping on hands and knees at an idol that had no power, an idol that didn't do anything for anybody, an idol that had no anointing, it had no ability to answer their prayers. They bowed down to an idol, but it started just by being separated from their families. It started by just changing their names. It just started by learning a new language. I'm talking about the funnel tonight, is that there's a funnel and the enemy's trying to pull you in and trying to get you off track, trying to get you into things that you shouldn't be involved in. How many people have we seen destroyed? It was because they got involved in a funnel and they didn't realize how it would end. 
In 2 Kings chapter 20, I'm going somewhere. God had just healed Hezekiah. Hezekiah was sick and Hezekiah was on his way to die. But when God reversed the curse and gave 15 more years to his life, the king of Babylon sends him a letter and sends him a gift. And because of a little letter and a little gift, a little flattery, a little attention, a little bit of you're special and I love you, a little bit of that. And next thing you know, he invites them and shows them the house of the Lord. And it says that he shows them the many treasures that were in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Isaiah comes afterwards and said, what did you do? He said, I just showed them everything in the house of the Lord. And Isaiah pronounced the curse of God and said, everything you just showed them is surely going to be taken away from Israel. But how did they get their foot in the door? With a little bit of flattery, with a letter, with a gift, with some enticing words, with some enticing opportunities. Oh, the devil doesn't show up and say, hello, my name's Satan, I'd like to destroy you. But the devil shows up as everything you ever wanted and faster than you think you can get it. The devil shows up and makes it seem like it's the easy way and that's what everybody else is doing. Oh, let me tell you, there's some things in the house of the Lord that I don't want to lose. Oh, I'm going to tell you at the end of your life uh, when you face eternity it's not going to matter if people thought you were popular it's not going to matter if you were the most cool kid in school voted most likely to succeed or best dressed what's going to matter is if you live for God and you were oh come on somebody you were committed to the things of God and you died at an altar and you lived for the Lord with all your heart Oh, let me talk to some young people. Shake yourself and wake up because you're not on the path of ease. You're on the path of destruction. You're not on the path to be cool. You're on the path to be backslid. I just want to encourage somebody. Get in church with all your heart before you get too deep in the funnel. Oh, I'm going to get somewhere encouraging, but I just want to convict you. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants to take everything from you. Get out of the funnel and get into the church. You may be seated. Brother Bradford, how many people have we seen just get hooked on some pain medicine that wasn't even theirs to begin with? get hooked on some diet medicine that they didn't really know what it was. The next time you see them, they're unrecognizable. Why? They didn't realize when they took that first step that they were going down into the funnel. Oh, be aware of every little move you make because the devil, the Bible says he roareth about seeking whom he may devour as a roaring lion. He's waiting for you to show some interest so he can begin the process of converting you. Hell has an outreach program. Hell has a follow-up program. Hell Hell doesn't take days off. Hell is reaching for this church. Hell is reaching for the young people. Hell is reaching for the young Marys. Hell is even reaching for the elders. Hell is reaching for the ministry. And what are they doing? They're just looking for one place to get their foot in the door to see what's going on so they can come back and loot it for everything. Jesus said that a spirit, when he goes out of a man, he goes around in the dry places and he comes back with seven other spirits greater than himself. Why? Because he looks in the house and it's empty and it's garnished. It's not being occupied. We need to occupy our time with the things of God. We need to occupy our time with prayer. We need to occupy our time. Young people, if you're in the age group, Bible quizzing is a great way to occupy your time. Young people, I'm going to tell you what, you'll be happy to give God the best years of your life because there's some people that said I'll get in church later but they never came back they never got back they never got back and now they don't even know how to get back because they're so far away
but it began as a slow fade. People that we never thought would fall away from God. What it was that they started entertaining things. They started getting involved in things. There was things people weren't seeing. There was this opportunity here and then this little opportunity here. And small things become big problems when you don't deal with them and they go unseen in secret. You know what happens? I feel like sometimes we get so deep in the funnel that we don't see a way out of the funnel. We get so dependent on the funnel. We get so dependent on the addiction. We get so dependent upon the relationships that this lifestyle has, has granted us that we don't see a way out of it because, hey, these people pay my bills and these people take care of me and this, this helps me through the pain and this helps me find peace and my back hurts sometimes and I've got to take this. Why do they get into that? Because they can't see another way out of it. That's what the devil likes to do. You know what that's called in church uh, marketing? That's called closing the back door. We'd like to close the back door. We'd like to retain the customers that we have. The devil retains the customers he has by telling them there's no other way to live. By telling them there's no way out. By telling them there's no escape. By telling them the church will never love them again. That they'll never be used of God again. That they're worthless and they're, they're made their family ashamed and they should never darken the door of a church again. I wonder right now if there's a church in this place that would lift your hands and say, God, send the backslider home. We still love them. God, send my lost family member back to church. I still love them. They ripped me off for a lot of money, but I still love them. They lied to me, but I still love them. They stabbed the pastor in the back, but I still love them. Oh, I'm going to tell you, we've got to break down the lies of the enemy that says you can never get back in church. There's a church that says, welcome home. We've been waiting on you the whole time. There's a father that was waiting on the porch, and when he saw the son come home, it may not have been recognizable to anybody else who he was because of how long of a journey and how much sin but there was a father that said there's my son that I've been waiting on I wonder if there's a church that says we've been waiting on you we've been praying for you we've been fasting for you we've been doing everything we're doing so the church would be here for you oh come on let's lift up a voice of intercession right now for the loss and the backslider come on somebody I feel the Holy Ghost moving in on us tonight is there a burden for the lost tonight? Is there a desire to see backsliders return home to the house of God? Hell, they're not yours. They belong to Jesus. And we're going to pray and we're going to reach until we get them back. Oh, there's some young people here that may be on the fence, but we're going to keep reaching until we get them over on this side all the way. You may be seated. It was Samson and Delilah. Something about Samson and Delilah I just don't seem to understand. Is that she asked Samson, Samson, tell me wherein is your strength? He says, well, if you'll bind me with, with seven new cords, green cords that are never wet. He said that I will lose my strength. He goes to sleep and wakes up and she does it. It's like, that's the time you should have broke up with her, bro. You told her what would take away your strength, and she did it. And then she says, oh, I thought you loved me. This breaks my heart so much. You don't realize what you're doing to me, Samson. You need to tell me the truth if you really love me. Let me tell you this. If someone tries to hit you with that, if you really love me, but they're trying to destroy you, and they're trying to do something that is not in line with the word of God and a relationship with God, they don't love you, so you shouldn't even worry about whether or not you love them. 
do you love me? What do you mean do I love you? Do you love me trying to bind me up? So what does she say? Oh, if you would just really tell me. I mean, I really want to know. Like, this guy is sprung, man. This guy is just head over heels and he doesn't even realize. What does he do? He comes back again. Oh, if you would, if you would just bind me with new ropes. It's kind of like it's a little playful game in a sense. If you just bind me with some new ropes, you know. He's not even realizing that uh, the morning that he woke up, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And they came in from the other room. Because the devil, when he's got his hand on his life, he doesn't show you what's waiting on the other side of the door. He just wants to show you that he loves you, show you that what you're getting into is a good thing, but he doesn't show you what's waiting for you. Samson wakes up. These guys are on him. First time, she asks him, what would you do? New ropes. She does it again. Same thing he said. If you do this, I'll lose all my strength. She does it again. He still doesn't break up with her. He still says, oh, man, I love her. She just got that cute smile, and oh, man. She must cook some really good food or something because he stayed with her after two times. And then she says, Samson, come on. You said you loved me. And it says she vexed him daily. She pressured him daily. She tried to get him daily to tell her what it was. It was a funneling, mark, uh, a market funnel, if I could say it that way, until finally he got a little bit closer. And he said, if you would put some weaves, if you would weave my hair with the web, he said that it would, it would take away my strength. She does exactly what he said would destroy him, and he doesn't leave. It's because sometimes we don't see a lifestyle away from what we've gotten ourselves into. You ever heard of codependency? You're so dependent on this person. You're so dependent upon this relationship. You're so dependent on this lifestyle. I grew up in the drug culture, so I could tell you there's people that don't get off drugs because it's hard to get off drugs. They don't get off drugs because it's a process to get off drugs. And there's some drugs you can't just get off of really quick because your body has acclimated to taking those drugs. And it's hard and it's a struggle, but I want to tell somebody that it'll be worth it all to get your life back. It'll be worth it all to get your kids back. It'll be worth it all to get your family back. Come on, it'd be worth it all to be there at your kid's wedding, to be there at your kid's high school graduation, to be there for them when they need you the most. You better get off drugs if you loved your son, if you loved your daughter. Stop messing around with the things of this world. Get back in church and show them how a man of God prays. Show them how a woman of God prays. I don't want my kids when I'm far gone to say he was so on drugs he could never get out. He was so bitter. He was so lost. He was so addicted to sports and the things of this world he could never get out of it. But I want somebody to look at me and say, he put his family first and he didn't let anything else get in the way and he made sure we were at church for pre-service prayer he made sure we were in the altars for post-service prayer he made sure that we were involved I want to be a man of God that leaves a legacy of truth in the hands of my children I don't want to have a legacy of a drunkard of an alcoholic of an addicted individual of a backslider of bitterness at ministry I don't want that to be on my legacy I'm telling you, hell has an outreach department. How deep are you in the funnel tonight? You may be seated. You become so dependent on the things you think you need that you don't see a way to get out of them. It was in 2013, I read a book, it was called Finding Myself. It was a story of a young lady who was held in captivity for 10 years in Ohio by a man named Ariel Castro. And she told this story that just blew my mind. This guy would chain them to chairs. He would put motorcycle helmets over their head. He would choke them out. Uh, one of the girls had a baby in a baby bathtub, and, and they, they took the baby to the hospital and lied about it and all kinds of stuff. It was just crazy, all the things that he had done, the years and years and years and years of abuse and, and torture and torment that one of these girls in this book actually had the opportunity to escape. 
somewhere in the middle of that tenure, she had the opportunity to escape. She saw a window open. The guy was gone. She tried to get out of the window. She actually got out of the window into the side yard. And the torment of what would happen to her if he were to catch her came upon her so strong that she climbed, instead of running to freedom, instead of running to safety, she climbs back in the window, goes back in the chair, puts the chains on herself, and puts the helmet back on because she was so afraid of what would happen to her if she tried to escape that situation. I want to tell somebody that the devil has tried to convince somebody in this place tonight that there is no escape. I'll tell you, there is an escape tonight, and it's in the house of God. It's in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. The name of Jesus is greater than whatever has you bound. The name of Jesus is greater than whatever you can't see yourself getting out of. There's some people, you've had some opportunities to escape, but you're afraid of what it'll cost you, so you get right back in to what you left. It's time to get free from the grip of death. It's time to find freedom in the house of God. I'm pleading with a soul tonight. Get right with God before it's too late, before you hit the bottom of the funnel. Let's all stand. I'm almost finished. The musicians can come. I'm almost finished. Oh, I wonder if the church could just begin to pray right now. There's an escape in this place tonight. There's the, Lord, there's the Lord that will hide you underneath His shadow. There's a God that will protect you in His pavilion. There's people that will get around you and guard you and help you and get you through this. Oh, it may be a long journey because of how far down the tunnel and the funnel you've went. But I'll tell you that if you turn around, Jesus is waiting right there to pull you out. Oh, church, let's lift up our hands. Let's pray. Come on, let's really pray. God, we pray tonight, God, for your mercy, for your grace, for your hand to reach down into somebody's life. Brother CJ, if you'd help me real quick. I want to preach to somebody. You feel like death has a grip on you. You feel like this world has a grip on you. You feel like this world has a grip on you. You feel like you can't get out. You feel like there's no escape. Maybe it's because of how long you've been there. Maybe it's because of what other people have said about you. Maybe it's because of guilt. Maybe it's because of shame. But there's some things holding on to you that you can't seem to get free from. There's some things. Some of you have come up to me recently and said, how do I get this out of my life? How do I get that out of my life? Oh, I'm going to tell you tonight what it's going to take. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the book of Genesis, why did the light come forth? The light came forth because God commanded it to come forth. But when we go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of 
God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light if you look up that word darkness when it says that darkness was upon the face of the deep and you compare it with 2 Corinthians 4 when it says that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness that word darkness in the Hebrew actually means something that's holding back the light I want to preach to somebody tonight that when God calls the light to come forth not only does he call the light to come forth but he calls the darkness the darkness has to let go of you the darkness has to give you up because God has called you forward come on somebody find freedom in the house of God tonight this world doesn't have you as greatly as you think they do your future has not been said your future has not already been decided you can find a new beginning in the house of God These altars are open. We want to start making our way forward. If you're somewhere in this grip of death that I'm talking about, I would make a quick move to this altar. You feel like you've gone too far. You feel like you're too involved. You feel like you've been in too deep. Come on, church. Let's lift up our voice. That's it, sister, in the back. God's going to restore. God's going to heal. God's going to make all things new. Oh, come on, somebody. Let the Holy Ghost break out. Let the Holy Ghost break out. Let the Holy Ghost break out. Oh, come on, somebody. Lift up your voice. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You may be in the funnel and you can't see a way out, but shout unto God for the victory that's already been won. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's nothing that can hold you back. You escape the grip of death by getting into the presence of God and allowing him to call you out. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. It's time to get out. It's time to get free. It's time to break loose. It's time to have peace. Go get your life back. Go get your kids back. Go get your future back. Lazarus had been dead for four days. Because of the lack of oxygen and blood flow, after four days, the body begins to start breaking down. As soon as 10 minutes after death, insects start showing up to eat away at the body. Bacteria is no longer being fought off and spreads uncontrollably throughout the body. Within 58 hours, the body is completely covered in insects and bacterias. Layers of the skin are already falling off by the fourth day. The blood begins foaming up and coming out of the mouth and nose by the fourth day. The internal organs begin to decompose by the fourth day. The bugs are showing up and eating way at the flesh and the organs and the body is on its way to full decomposition. But Jesus on the fourth day said Lazarus come forth and every process of death that had already began to take place was completely reversed dead cells were brought back to life decomposed organs were brought back to life the bacteria had to leave the bugs and the spiders had to leave the blood had to go back to normal and pump through the heart again no matter how far you've been damaged and you've been hurt when Jesus says Lazarus come forth he can heal you completely 
come on, let's lift up our voice and cry out to God.